Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life, and uh, it's a great privilege for me to be able to share with you uh, the Word of God today. Uh, pastor Chris and Nancy, uh, Pastor Chris, our lead pastor, and his wife Nancy are out actually celebrating uh, their youngest daughter Emmy's graduation from Eastern University, uh, which is a very exciting thing. My wife graduated from Eastern, and uh, so that's actually out near Philadelphia, so they've been spending the weekend out there with them. Uh, so I have the opportunity to share with you this weekend, and we're continuing in a series called The Great Adventure. And through this series, we've been discovering that God has invited all of us on an incredible adventure with Him. It doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter what we've done, and we don't have to do anything to prepare for it other than this, to know that the great adventure has a starting point that all of us have to come to. You see, when I was growing up, I knew there was something bigger in this life that I was supposed to do. I knew there was something that, you know, it was just kind of nagging me inside of my heart that I was to participate in that, that you know, I, but I couldn't understand really what it was until I turned about the age of 13. I went to a, a big music festival. I don't know if you're like me or not, but when I was younger, I loved music, okay? I loved music. Uh, and so I, I went to a music festival with a youth group, which is kind of a big step for me uh, because I wasn't really a, a kind of, you know, go somewhere and hang out with uh, people for a long period of time kind of kid. Um, so it was a really kind of challenging experience for me. But we went to this festival that had music. I thought, well, you know what, if anything, you know, if all else fails, I'm going to hear some really great bands. So we went out to this festival out in the middle of the state in Pennsylvania called Creation Festival. And Creation Festival is just this incredible place where people gather together and just to hear a bunch of Christian bands play together. And it was a really, really cool experience. Uh, and it was, it was really just a really neat opportunity to see that they, have, they had two stages there. They had one stage, it was called the, I can't actually remember what it was called, but it was like the grunge stage. It's like where all the cool kids hung out. And then there was like the main stage, which is where all the adults hang out, you know? So, so I hung out at the grunge stage, Okay. And uh, I, at this time, you know, in my, in my uh, life, I was listening to some pretty hardcore rap, because um, that's my style, all right? And uh, I might still do that from time to time, okay? But God's working with me. All right, so anyway, so anyway, I, I was really into rap, but I, I kind of moved over into like punk and some heavy stuff, and so the grunge stage was perfect for me. I loved listening to that music, and then at night... We would go over to the main stage because there was like a transition. After five, the main stage was cool, okay? So, so like we would make the transition from the grunge stage to the main stage after about five o'clock because over at the main stage, they would have what's known as a headlining band, okay? And what that is is like it's an incredible band, okay? And I think that night it was the Newsboys, okay, if you know who they are, all right? If you don't, it's okay. They should probably quit playing anyway. Um, but anyway, they don't do rap, you know? I mean, come on, step up. So, so anyway, so this band was, was uh, going to play that night, and, and it was just a really kind of cool experience. But the, the, one of the really unique things that happened is the minute we got to this property, uh, there, was a, <laughs> there was a group of people in our van who, they had one responsibility, grab the blue tarp and run, okay? The minute we got there, out of the van, grab the blue tarp and run. Now, this is my first experience going to something like this. Like three people got out, 
grabbed the blue tarp and ran, and I thought, they're going to use me, use that to wrap me up in it later. <laughs> you know, I was a little freaked out, right? So, so here, I, I came to learn that actually what you need to do, as soon as you get there, you want to take that blue tarp and you want to lay it down in front of the main stage so you get a really good place for the headlining band that night, okay? So, so these, these group of people ran and, and they put down the blue tarp for that night. So after the grunge stage was done, we went over to the main stage and we would try to find our blue tarp amidst a bunch of blue tarps, okay? I don't know. They didn't have green or yellow at the time, so it was just blue, all right, so, so we, we find, eventually found our place, and we sat down on the blue tarp, and I remember this first band came out, and I was pretty excited because it was a band that I liked, and uh, to be honest with you, they didn't make that big of an impact on me because I don't remember who it was, okay? But I just knew I liked them. Um, so I remember, you know, sitting through that first band and being like, man, this is really cool. Uh, and then the second band came out, and it was kind of funny because the transition went from like really fun and high energy to kind of like, you know, real focused and somber. And I grew up in the church, so I kind of was anticipating what was happening, you know, we kind of get people excited, and then you bring out the worship band, and you're getting ready for, like, the part where the, the guy's going to come out, you know, and, and, and anybody knows, you know, if you grew up in church, that's the part where you get ready to close your eyes, right? So, so they're kind of playing some, some slow music and kind of focusing our heart, and then all of a sudden this guy comes out, and I could tell, you know, it's just a guy, no guitar, had a mic in his hand, I thought maybe he was going to rap, he didn't. Um, so once I had made the determination that he was actually going to talk, I decided, well, I'll do what I've been trained to do. So I sat down, began to close my eyes, and but something different happened at that moment. This guy, he was a, he, first of all, he was a short guy, so I could relate to him. Second of all, he was Australian, so I couldn't relate to him that way. But he had the coolest accent in the whole world, right? And, and I really, really was kind of attracted to what he was talking about. But all I can remember him saying was this, as he was, he was like a little flea just jumping up, on, up and down on the stage. It was incredible. I just remember hearing him say, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Now, this wasn't really new to me because I grew up in a Christian home where my mom told me that God loved me and God had a plan for my life. But it wasn't until that moment that something changed inside of me, and I understood something. God loves me, and God has a plan for my life. And it was in that moment that I understood that that thing I'd been searching for, that bigger thing in my life, was starting to happen in that moment. In that moment, I learned that that bigger thing was that I was supposed to know God and, and that He was supposed to know me. And it was just an incredible experience. In fact, at the end, the, the short Australian guy said, if any of you uh, would like to pray, there's a huge tent over here that you can come down and pray uh, with some people. we got some people down here. And so uh, I got up with a group of my friends who had all decided in that moment we were going to follow Jesus. And so we went down to the tent and we prayed. And it was just an incredible, incredible experience. Now, here's why I tell you that story. The great adventure of God, anybody's invited but we all have to start at the same place, okay? In the adventure of God, we all have to start at the same place. There's a starting line, and that starting line is Jesus. Jesus is the starting line for the adventure of God, that thing that you've been looking for, that desire that you have for something bigger in your life. It starts with Jesus. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at three foundational principles or three reasons why it has to start with Jesus. 
Okay, so we're going to look at, look at three questions. The first one is this. Why did Jesus have to come? Why did Jesus have to come? The second thing we're going to look at is, why did Jesus have to die? And then the third thing we're going to look at is, why was Jesus resurrected? Okay, so once we understand that the great adventure of God begins with Jesus, and we understand these three principles then we'll understand how we can begin to move through the starting line and into this great adventure with God. So let's look at each one of those individually. First of all, why did Jesus have to come? Why did Jesus have to come? There was a guy, uh, we call him an early church father, okay? He, right after Jesus uh, was resurrected and ascended back into heaven, uh, there were a group of guys that kind of began to write about what happened. They were giving eyewitness accounts. And uh, there was a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul, and Paul had a very real experience with Jesus, similar to mine, although Paul's was a little bit more intense because Paul was traveling to a, a town called Damascus, and as he was traveling, Jesus showed up, like real physical Jesus, and it was so bright that everybody was blinded by it. And in that moment, Paul realized that what he was doing, because Paul was persecuting Christians, actually, followers of Jesus, but in that moment, God changed his heart to realize why Paul actually was created. And Jesus sent Paul to a group of people called the Gentiles. And Gentiles are just simply people who aren't Jews. So that'd be people like uh, me and you if you're not a Jew, okay? And so Jesus sent Paul to the Jews. And, and one of the things that Paul did is he began to plant churches. And as he would plant churches, he would write letters to them to help them understand how to press into Jesus more and more. And so he wrote one letter to a church in Galatia. It was a city uh, called Galatia. And and there he wrote something very incredible, and it kind of begins to answer the question, why did Jesus come? Here's the answer. In, verse, uh, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, here's what it says. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So you see, what the Apostle Paul is saying is this, that we all are slaves to something. And that something is called sin. Paul called it the basic spiritual principles of this world. But here's the deal. All of us, when we're born, we're born into a sinful world, and, and we're born sinful people. And what that means is, let me illustrate it this way, okay? I have three kids, okay? Three kids, four, three, and two, okay? I never had to sit them down and teach them how to lie, right? You know, I, I, never, I never grabbed Marcus and said, Marcus, now listen, if this is the way you want to get out of stuff, here's what you need to say, right? If that was the case, they should put me in jail, all right? <laughs> you don't have to teach your kids how to lie. You don't have to teach my kids how to lie. You don't have to teach yourself how to lie. You just know it naturally. You don't have to teach yourself or anybody else how to steal or, or to get angry, you see, it just comes natural to us. And the reason that it comes natural to us is because we have this thing that the Apostle Paul rightly named a sin nature. 
We have a sinful nature. We are slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world, this sinful nature that we are in. And here's the deal. Nobody before Jesus lived a perfect life. Nobody after Jesus lived a perfect life. Only Jesus lived a perfect life. And the Apostle Paul said in this scripture that it happened in a very particular way. He was born of a woman. He was born of a woman, but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So what that means is this, that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. Therefore, he can relate to all of us. In fact, I love this, what the scripture says, that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted. That encourages me because Jesus never sinned. And it tells me that there's power there in his name and in, and in him. So he can relate to us as a man, as a woman. He can understand us because he was one of us. But he was also fully God, which empowered him to not sin on this earth. So from the time he was born until the time he died, he never sinned once. And here's what that did. Jesus, in that way, never sinning, he met the requirement of God. The apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome said this. He said that everybody, all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody except Jesus. See, what Paul is pointing out there and what he's pointing out here is we need somebody to help us. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to live the life that we cannot live. Right? I'm, ama I'm honestly amazed. I have a two-year-old son. I don't have to teach him how to get angry. He just does it automatically. That just blows my mind. You see, that's the sin nature. And when we're sinners, people who are sinners, which is everybody, by the way, we cannot stand before a righteous and holy God because he is righteous and holy. And he will judge us. The scripture tells us that when the end of our life comes, we'll stand before him and we will he'll be judged based on whether or not we start with Jesus, whether we believed in him. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later. So why did Jesus have to come? He came to do something we could never do, live the life that pleased God. That's why Jesus had to come. That's the answer to the question. The answer to the question, why Jesus comes, because we're sinners. We're sinners. We're messed up, and we need help. Okay? So that's why Jesus came. Why then did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? The Apostle Paul said, writing to a church in Corinth, he said this, you do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. In other words, what Paul is saying to this church in Corinth is this, you know, guys, listen, you don't belong to yourself. Jesus paid for you. So I want you to think of it this way, okay? It's Christmas season, right? How many of you have done your Christmas shopping already? Put your hand up high. Be proud. Okay, overachievers, all right? Please, okay? Actually, if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be half done with our kids, okay? How many of you are going to wait till Christmas Eve? Nobody? Yeah, thank you for being honest. That would have been me, okay? That would have been me, all right? How many of you are going to do it this week, okay? Amazon Prime, right? That's the way, that's the way to go. Comes two days, it's right there, okay? I'm not trying to sell a product, all right? Those of you watching online, I don't care if you buy it or not. Okay. So anyway, so here's the deal, right? So 
So when you buy something, you are, you are transferring funds from your account to cover the cost of something to which somebody's ascribed worth, right? Let me explain it this way. You go into a store. Okay, let's say you're not going to Amazon, all right? You're actually going to go into a store. You know what that is? Okay, all right, good. Walmart, you know what that is, all right? You go into Walmart, and you, you find something that's 10 bucks, okay? And, and somebody has determined that that product is worth $10, and you want that product, whatever it is. Maybe for me, Rogaine, all right? <laughs> Look at this, seriously. That's why I'm doing my hair all spiffy. I want to hide that puppy, okay? No problem here. I am going to ask God that someday. Why? Why does it leave here and go everywhere else? It's just, just weird, you know? Anyway, I digress. Okay, so, so let's, say, uh, let's say I want to go buy this Rogaine, right? It's 10 bucks. That sounds cheap, but I think that's 10 bucks. Okay, so, so you go into the store and, and you, you get the Rogaine, you go up and you're going to pay for it, okay? Or whatever it is that you want, Okay. And, and as you go up to pay for it, you have to have enough money in the bank to cover the cost of the item. And so you get out your credit card or your check or your cash or whatever it is that you're going to use, and you hand it to the, the attendant, and they, you know, swipe your card or whatever it is. And then once the funds have been transferred, you receive that product, okay? That's what happens in a transaction. You receive something that you purchased, so you see, what happens with Jesus on the cross is a transaction. The reason Jesus came is because he had to live a life that we could not live. In other words, he was depositing into an account all of the right things to do in order to honor God. And he made deposit after deposit after deposit after deposit until the time came when the transaction was to take place. And so Jesus willingly went to the cross, and he died on the cross to pay for something. And the scripture tells us that Jesus went to the cross to pay for our freedom. Look what the apostle Paul said to the Colossian church. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, and it was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Here's the deal. Pay attention to this, verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Therefore, the answer to the question, why did Jesus have to die? The answer is to cover the cost of our freedom. To cover the cost of our freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from sin, the cost of that is God's infinite holiness. The infinite value of His holiness. And none of us have enough money in the bank to cover that. None of us will have enough good deeds in the bank to color, cover that. Only Jesus could cover that. That's why Jesus had to die. A transaction had to be made. Then, why was He resurrected? Why was he resurrected? That's a great question. In fact, the apostle Paul said something incredible about this very thing. He said this in, in Ephesians 2, 2, verses 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace, and you can't take credit for this. It is a free gift from God. Okay, so being Christmas time, you're probably going to a store or you're ordering something online. You've made a transaction where you receive a gift. 
What do you want to do with the gift that you've received to give to somebody? What do you do with it? It's not a trick question. You give it to the person, right? That's what you want to do. So Jesus had to offer his life in the transaction to purchase our freedom. And then God raised him from the dead three days later so that he could give that free gift to us. Now, I'm not making the resurrection something simple. I'm just explaining to you what the word of God says. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, overcoming sin and death forever, then he could not offer us the free gift of eternal life. It would be impossible. But because he rose from the dead, he can now offer us this incredible gift, the gift of himself, the gift of our freedom found in him. In fact, the Apostle Paul continued on a little bit later. He said this in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 3 of Colossians. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And then he told the Galatians, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Off, off, belongs to you. Now, what's the answer to the question, why was Jesus resurrected? To offer us the freedom he purchased. Jesus came here to live a life we couldn't live. He died to pay the penalty for our sin. Really, he died a death that we should have died. And he was raised back to life again three days later after he was buried, overcoming sin and death forever so that he could offer us a new life. And let me tell you what that means. That means this, that when God looks at us, okay, when God looks at us, which by the way, the scripture tells us he's going to do that someday. When he looks at us after this life is over, he's either going to see us and our sin and because sin is disobedience toward God or dishonoring God, he's going to cast us out. And the Bible says, to a place called hell. But to those who believe in Jesus, to those who believe in Jesus, this incredible thing happens where Jesus steps in when God sees us and we kind of put his righteousness on like new clothes. So when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus and Jesus is his son. And he says, welcome into the family. What an incredible, incredible thing God did for us. He sent his own son here to die for us. So what's that have to do with the great adventure? This. Everybody has to start there. We have to understand that our great adventure that God has invited us to, that thing that we're longing for, it starts with knowing Jesus. And faith is the key. Let's look at Ephesians 2 one more time. Look what Paul said again. God saved you by his grace when you believed. When you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Jesus, standing before a group of thousands of people who were coming to him saying, you know, basically, Jesus, how do we... How do we have an eternal life? How do we inherit this? What do we need to do? 
here's what Jesus said. He said, the only work you need to do and I need to do, the only work that we need to do is to believe. Well, believe in what? Believe that Jesus came to live a life that we couldn't live, that he died a death that we should have died, and that we can now receive his new life because he has risen again. You see, when we believe that, then we receive Jesus' new life. And we are adopted, the Apostle John says, into God's family. What a beautiful picture. And Jesus said, if you want to have that, if you want to begin this new adventure, it starts with him. He said, nobody, nobody, everybody say nobody. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. And guys, let me be very plain with you for one minute, okay? That means you can never do enough good things to store up the funds to stand before God where he will accept it and let you into his family. It's impossible. There is sin in our lives. We're born with that sin in our lives. So God sent himself in our place. He fulfilled his own requirement. And now we can begin a great adventure with him. It's such an incredible, incredible thing. And I want to tell you the story where it all started. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at this. It'll be on the screen for you as well. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says this. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Guys, Jesus being born into this world did something incredible. In fact, it's our take-home point. This is the one thing we hope you'll walk out of here with today, okay? Jesus' birth set into motion God's plan to release his kingdom. Jesus' birth set into motion God's plan to release his kingdom. In other words, Jesus, when he was born here on the earth, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, when we celebrate Jesus' birth, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus came into this world to live a life we couldn't live, to die a death we should have died, and that he offers us his new life because he was resurrected. That is the amazing and just beautiful picture of God's love for us. You know, when that short little Australian guy was jumping across the stage, I'll admit at the time I didn't understand fully what he meant, but I knew this in my heart, that God loved me and that God had an incredible plan for my life. And I can tell you that it's true. Knowing God is the most important thing for any human being on this earth. Being known by God is such an honor and a privilege. But God loves us 
and he has a plan for us. And for those of you in here today, maybe you're hearing this for the first time, and like me, you know, when I was 13 years old and I heard that, it, it finally clicked. It finally made sense. Maybe that's you today, and I, I want to encourage you. If that's you, all you need to do, you don't need to get better. You don't need to go anywhere. You just need to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you. I trust you. The scripture tells us that faith is being sure of what we cannot see. So we need to believe and have faith in Jesus. But if you have been following Jesus for any period of time, I know what happens when you're on the great adventure with with God, right? Sometimes you get a little sidetracked. Something happens in your life or, you know, we do something that gets us off the path of the great adventure that God has for us. I want to just encourage all of us today to do what Jesus said to do. Whenever that happens, Jesus said, go back and do what you did at first. So in other words, he said, go back to me. Jesus said, come back to me. Come back to me. Start with me. I am the beginning and the end. So no matter what it is that you're facing in your life, whatever struggle you're having, would you just believe Jesus for it today? Would you believe that he's going to lead you out of it and back onto that path on the great adventure? Would you trust him? See, I don't know where everybody is. It's impossible for me to know that. But I do know this, that we all face these issues. And my prayer is that you'll believe Jesus today. Because here's the deal. When we do that, we show the world that we are trusting Jesus, not our circumstances. We're not worried about what the world thinks. We're worried about what God thinks and honoring him. And we're going to follow him no matter what. Because Jesus, before he ascended back into heaven after his resurrection, he gave his disciples one command. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. Go into all the world and make disciples. So guys, what that means for us, if we've trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, is this, that God has invited us to partner with him in his redemptive mission on the earth. That means wherever you go from here, if you're going home, if you're going to work, if you're going somewhere to hang out and have fun with friends, wherever you go, you take the kingdom with you. It's inside of you. And everywhere you go, God is calling us to release the kingdom. To release the kingdom. How does that happen? By telling people that there's a God who loves them, loves them and has a plan for their life. By stepping in in situations where we should step in by helping where we can help. That's what it means to release the kingdom. So wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever you play this week, I hope you'll partner with God and tell people about this incredible adventure that we're all invited to and that it starts with Jesus. I hope you'll do that this week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your life. Thank you that you came here willingly for us, that we might be set free from sin. And God, today I pray that your spirit would meet those in this room who maybe for the first time are understanding that you love them and you have a plan for their life. God, I pray you'd meet them right where they are and that you would show them the great adventure you have called them to. Jesus, thank you that your word tells us 
that you set the plans for us before the foundation of the world, that you have good works for us to do, and that we accomplish those by trusting Jesus. And so today, God, I pray for those who are doing it for the first time, you would empower them, that you would send them out on fire for you. And for those of us who have known you for any period of time, I pray you would stir in us a new desire for the great adventure you've given to us, that we might live out our part in it and partner with you in your redemptive mission on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.